1: she thought something was unfair he replied you're very cute that's not fair you're fairly well-to-do that's very unfair most of all you're American which is really unfair you better hope life never becomes fair so said Patrick Jake O'Rourke to his young daughter after she complained about something being unfair And folks on today's show, we're doing memorable mentors, our tribute to the work of Patrick Jake, or work who died on the 15th of February at the age of 74. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Hey,
2: Ron, how you doing? I've been
1: marinating in PJ all day. Um, Just amazing. Just amazing body of work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some great stuff. Some great stuff in there, and I, I look forward to this conversation. It's going to be fun, wide-ranging, as was PJ's work. All Lots of different topics that he addressed, um, and, and I just think some, some fascinating stuff. Funny, funny guy, but, but also, uh, as Jonah Goldberg pointed out in his podcast, underrated with regard to his intellect. And I think that that's the that's the biggest thing that I've took away from from working through this was not only was he funny, but he was also a freaking genius. Unbelievable.
1: I've been going through some of his work on economics and just, you know, even even events around the world, because, of course, he was the foreign correspondent for Rolling Stone. And I'm just amazed at his grasp of you name it, everything. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but the economics, he was just brilliant at. And so funny, yet at the same time, like fiendishly smart, but mm-hmm. didn't wear it on his sleeve
2: no absolutely true and and was not at all trained in economics in fact one, that's one of the points of his book that he makes uh, in in eat the rich i think it's in the introduction which is one of the books that i i concentrated on he said i i knew nothing about this yeah and, uh, and so i figured i I better go out and and find something out about it <laughs> he had a
1: ba in english from the university of uh what is it, university of miami in ohio he grew up mm-hmm. in toledo ohio and he got uh um, a master's in English from John Hopkins. Uh, so yeah, he was not he was not economics, but he learned, he was self taught in a lot of different areas because his and his journalism just gave him a, a great bird's eye seat of the world mm-hmm. and and everything and and he incorporated that into his writing and it's just amazing. Um, I've counted Ed um, that he wrote twenty books. Uh, I've seen, I've seen all sorts of, uh, different, different numbers, but I, I believe it's 20. Okay. And, uh, I've got 16 of them here. Um, Wikipedia
2: page says 16. So yeah, it's not right.
1: right. It's not right. I can tell you it's not right. Um, it's at least 20 and there could be more depending on whether or not you count some of his national lampoon stuff. Hmm. Um, but, um, so i want to focus on his books but i but i also curious when did you encounter pj for the first time
0: i can't
2: remember i can't, I can't remember
1: I, I can tell you it was in the early 90s and it was probably either rolling stone or uh, possibly national review or some other uh, magazine that he wrote for mm-hmm. you know, he was car and driver he wrote for them um but I don't remember it. And, and the other thing, and I'm kind of freaked out that I don't think it's on your list. You know, we have a list of, of ultimate guests that we'd Mm -hmm. love to have on the show. We never talked about having PJ. We didn't Nope. We could have gone after PJ. We probably could have got him. Yeah. We blew that.
2: Our miss, our miss,
1: our Our miss. And I don't know why. I mean, I've been a fan of the guy for years. I got a whole shelf of his books. Um, it's just yeah wow what a miss
2: that was yeah yeah well which is one of the reasons why we had to try to right the wrong here and rectify it and and, and talk about him today as a as a memorable mentor because he he really was in that way uh, ron i just want to fulfill an obligation and just mention that the show is sponsored by sage uh and that uh this is the soul of enterprise and we welcome you to it that says this is the first time that i can remember we've changed the opening so that's how that's how important uh, this was to us so thanks for doing that
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 74, much too young to to lose such a gifted, talented guy. Um, so Isn't Ed, it I'm, funny,
2: by the way, how 74 looks young now? Like when I, you were I, a kid, I, right? You would have thought 74. Oh my God,
1: that's ancient. <laughs> um, he wrote a book Ed in 1998 and, or, uh I'm sorry, 1983 i read it in 1992 and it's called modern manners an etiquette book for rude people (laughs) and it it's incredibly clever it's got all sorts of quips it's got things that you could not get away with today Mm -hmm. he goes around the world and lists attributes of the people around the world in various countries that there's just no way Mm -hmm. a publisher could get away with that but I love this line. It's very bad form to screw your children, except in your will. (laughs) And, you know, he was full of quips like that. I've been laughing all morning because he's just had these like one. They're like uh, Rodney Dangerfield Mm -hmm. one liners and you just crack up. But but because they're profound, too. Right. They're not and just o- a joke. They're, they're, there's a, there's a, a truth embedded into it. Right.
2: And, and oftentimes after a bit of really important piece of uh, a, an important piece of, of writing that he's done about the subject. And so, for example, this this is from the on Wealth of Nations book. He, you know, barbarian leaders did not grab land in order to become rich; they were rich. This is, a, but here's the here's the great line afterwards: shopping is easy and convenient when you do it with a large band of armed men.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, on
1: on the Wealth of Nations, that is absolutely profound book. He. Um, he also wrote another one, Republican Party Reptile, uh, in 1987. And this is the one that's got the famous Volga cruise story, his cruise that he took to Russia. Everybody says it's his other book, Holidays in Hell. That's not true. It's in this one. OK, um, so tell and, them the story. <laughs> well, I, I would love to, except I didn't go back and reread it. Okay. Um, but it is it, it is a, a profound story. Um, story because he's got insights about Russia and and just it, it, it is a classic. In fact, it somewhat put him on the map. I think it got him. It broke him into a lot of different jobs with with magazines and whatnot, because it was really an inspired piece of writing. I mean, Jonas talked about it and all, all the different tributes I read. Almost every one of them brings it up. Um, so but a couple of other quips from this book is, uh, yeah, he says, I was attracted to the Volga Peace Cruise by a half page advertisement in a February 27th, 1982 issue of The Nation magazine. It read in part, find out for yourself what's going on in the Soviet Union's capital and heartland as you join the nation this summer on an exciting, affordable Soviet excursion. <laughs> these were people who believed everything about the Soviet Union was perfect, but they were bringing their own toilet paper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Smart. And, you know, a, a little bit... Uh, it, in honor of of the situation that's going on in in, in russia right now which we'll we'll get to i'm, I'm sure in our, our bonus episode you know i i i think one of the 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 insights that i've taken not for, for well this is it it was good getting this beforehand and then being talked talk about it in pj's works but the notion that the folks that the, why what was the most important thing to know about the soviet union they were communist right yeah and they re- they really did believe all of the this stuff and the the, the the fact that this tour existed in at all is evidence of that yeah yeah for sure And you
1: know the other thing that strikes me going back and reading his books is you know they don't age well in terms of you're reading things that are going on at the time that he wrote but when you think about it in terms of his his reading history, Mm -hmm. it ages incredibly well. There is a ton of timeless wisdom even when he's talking about a current topic that was going on in the early '90s or something.
2: Yeah, and and that was I think especially true of of Eat the Rich, um, because it does go it it is a tour, if you will, of, of different places. And he starts, of course, on on Wall Street with what he calls quote good capitalism. the The issue is is that the Wall Street that he describes in this book it's a great retrospective, as you said, because it doesn't exist anymore. You know, the 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 Wall Street that he talks about in the in the mid to to late '90s. Um, Um, that it was was still the Wall Street of of Barker's in in the room uh, making trades on a handshake or just hand signals and writing on those cards that great writing on those cards that right right yeah Mm -hmm. and and here's the 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 crazy thing is that 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 no longer exists The, the the New York Stock Exchange is basically now a television set yeah it's all digital yep so um, it's interesting but so but you're right from a historic perspective it's still a fascinating piece of literature because it's a great description of what was actually going on at the time uh, on wall street and still you know to a certain extent his the 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 point he's making is that in in this chaos was incredible order right right yeah It, it it's um i guess it's my long
1: way of saying that Uh, this stuff is going to age well. His books, this body of work will age very well. Historians will pour through this
3: Mm -hmm.
1: at some point. And, you know, it'll have something to say about the economic events and the political events of the time, the cultural events uh, as well. And also the humor.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, people make these comparisons to Hunter Thompson because of gonzo journalism and, you know, PJ was a journalist. But the real comparisons are Mark Twain, Ambrose Pierce, you know the satirists, the humorists of their day. Uh, they, he's more in line with them.
2: No, oh, H.L. Mencken, which he was the H.L. Mencken, yep. fellow at, at Cato. Um, yep. j- j- just to uh, let me finish this up, my, my, the concept on here, but just to give you a, f- a feel for this, and this is this is from from Eat the Rich, uh, uh, and I love this notion of what what the what uh, the stock market really is. He says we have an opinion. That opinion is a price. And since prices are constantly changing, our opinion is always about to be wrong. Think of the stock market as an endless Gallup poll with 207 billion things that people can't make up their minds about. <laughs> I know i read that it was great <laughs> and, and i'm sure you
1: have it too and i've got it on my notes on the wealth of nations but he when he takes on the labor theory of value mm-hmm. versus the subjective theory of value that that's incredibly funny as well um yeah, he, he actually wrote a book called The Bachelor Home Companion, also in 1987. I'm not sure how well these books did at the time, mm-hmm. but but I think they set him up to a more prominent profile. I mean, he already had a high profile coming off a of National Lampoon, and, and he went to Hollywood and made a lot of money. I think he wrote um, or had a hand in Easy Money, the Rodney Danger movie, mm-hmm. and I think he did some other movie work. I'm not sure you probably, Maybe it's on his Wikipedia page, but uh, he certainly had a hand in Animal House, mm-hmm. so he, he he made a good living and then went back east because mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't like Los Angeles, and of course, he uh, ended up buying a, a place out in New Hampshire which is where he's been for, I don't know, a a while, at least at least a decade or something, I think.
2: Right, right. Well, we are up against our first wake. We want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course for show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows there is the website the soul and want to remind you that our show is sponsored by 90 minds that's our patreon channel i should say patreon.com slash tsoa if you need a mind get one at 90 minds.com but right now a word from our sponsors
0: be sure to friend us on facebook
2: you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome.
1: It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating.
2: Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. And yeah, and they
1: really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports.
2: Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com.
0: Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh Oh My Fraud fraud
4: you are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. now back to the soul of enterprise
1: well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about P.J. O'Rourke and all of his work. And that I've got his book here, Holidays in Hell, uh, that he published in 1988. Now, I read this in 92, but he, he published this in 88, and he's talking about in this one chapter, through the darkest, Through Darkest America, Epcot Center. <laughs> this is May 1983. This is outrageous. He says, every ride seems to begin with cavemen and end in a video game where a recorded voice asks you to face the challenges of tomorrow he says General Motors has something called the world of motion that should be properly uh, that should properly be titled Ride in the Wild Ironies in the first place they propel you through their robot show in a form of mass rail transit and the tram cars are all too much like current GM automobiles small, slow and made out of plastic also the ride keeps breaking or keeps coming to a halt caught in some mid exhibit traffic jam and he goes on to talk about the kodak journey into the imagination and then, of course this is right after epcot opened so this is all you know kind of historical but it's still funny he says i was desperate to get out of the place he says it was 20 degrees hotter inside than it was in the midday sun he says even a company with as little imagination as kodak should know better than to have a greenhouse roof in florida uh, well played well played <laughs> it's so funny and then he's got other great great chapters in holidays in hell it's a classic classic book is yeah well worth reading
2: well, I, I just want to, would be remiss to to not uh, just give a couple of minutes to I think his most famous quote would this is what I would be consider his most famous quote uh, pr- probably the one that I saw the most on his obits. I'm not sure what this is th- this is from Ron. You might you might know, but it's it's this: giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. <laughs>
1: I want to say that's Parliament of Whores. I would guess, too. But I didn't see it. And I know it appears somewhere else, but I didn't even note it because it it is so well known. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure exactly what book it came out of. But I will give you something from Parliament of Whores, which is um, probably it's 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 a, a profound book and and it has aged well even though there's a lot of things that are you know no longer relevant but like here's a line republicans are the part are the party that says government doesn't work and then they get elected and prove it <laughs> <laughs> uh and then he says um you know one basic rule of business in life when buying and selling are controlled by legislation the first things to be bought and sold are legislators Our
2: legislators yeah i love that I yeah love that. yeah and uh politicians are always interested in people not that this is always a virtue fleas are always interested in dogs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: every government is a parliament of whores the trouble is, in a democracy, the whores are us. Mm-hmm. That's the last line in the book. Um, it's absolutely profound. There, there's a great, lo- a great long quote. I'm not going to read it at, at, the, at the start, but he's talking about the difference between God and Santa Claus. And he says, you know, he talks about God being, you know, holds people accountable. He's not sentimental, right? He holds a mortgage on literally everything in the world. He's difficult. He's unsentimental. He says Santa is Santa Claus is another matter. He's cute. He's non-threatening. He's always cheerful and he loves animals. He may know who's been naughty and who's been nice, but he never does anything about it. He gives everyone everything they want without thought of a quid pro quo. He works hard for charities and he's famously generous to the poor santa claus is preferable to god in every way but one there is no such thing as santa claus <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying that republicans are god and Democrats are Santa Claus. Um, mm-hmm. That's how he sets that up. But it's very, very funny. Excellent book. Just, you know, this guy skewered both sides, mm-hmm. even though he did call himself a Republican. He I've even got a line in here the day that he says he turned conservative, which I want to get your reaction to, because he is he he's he's hard to characterize. Mm-hmm. You want to say he's a libertarian, but there's a massive conservative streak through this guy. And I'll tell you, he's a hawk. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now, if he was around today, he'd say, you know, we should be flying over. Mm-hmm. You know, we should we should engage. Uh, mm-hmm. Not maybe not maybe not with boots on the ground, but I'm sure he'd want to engage um, yeah. with air power, probably. Um, anyway, he, so um, but he um, even though he was a partisan, he did attack both sides. He really did mm-hmm. and skewered him. Yeah. Beautifully, which beautifully. is why he was liked on both sides of the political aisle. I mean, a lot of the truth, and I read, I don't know, about 20 tributes, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are from leftist journalists. They loved him. Mm-hmm. And they loved him not just as a everybody admired his talent as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of tributes about that. But also they admired him just as a person he was great to be with he he could close down a bar so he's a big drinker you know and he was just a very personable amiable guy who didn't have any airs about him even though he achieved this incredible notoriety and success
2: well, I think that part of his persona too—the the crumpled suit, the, the, the unkempt hair—that was just, just just part of who he was. A grovelly, grovelly speaking voice as well, probably grovelly from from years of, of cigarette smoke, um, yep. that he did eventually stop. But but he he like many of the others started off his days as a, as a student as a leftist anti war hippie. Oh yeah. And, I-
1: do you do you have anything on that because i know he's written some things about that that i found that i just thought were absolutely uh, nothing
2: nothing specific but just you know that he, that he did make this transformation uh d- d- over the course of time it he un, un, it was un, it wasn't kind of an instantaneous thing it was it, as my understanding it was it was a slow transformation but as you said he did have a, a specific moment where he's like it's now it's now that i i fully understand right. it so i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that now i i,
1: I can't remember the book it's in but, okay. I, but I'll, I'll get to it but he has an exchange with his grandmother about this very topic and is absolutely <laughs> hysterical um he wrote another book that is, is give war a chance and if you really want to see pj's view of the world this is a really good and i mean like foreign policy because he <laughs> covered he covered so many things around the world it's like over 50 countries or something when he worked for rolling stone you know he did the first uh, the war the first iraq war he covered that um but in this book um give war a chance published in 1992 he says it's uh it's impossible to get decent chinese takeout in china Cuban cigars are <laughs> rationed in Cuba, and that's all you need to know about communism. <laughs> uh,
2: I wonder. I wonder if the, I wonder if the, the the Chinese food thing is is still the case in China though. I, my guess. My guess is that it wouldn't be, but who knows? Yeah, yeah I, I'm
1: not sure, especially because uh, you know our idea of Chinese food as Americans is not.
2: I can tell you that from personal experience, just ordering Chinese food in Vancouver one time I ordered, I ordered a, a, a Chinese food from an authentic Chinese restaurant in, out in Vancouver, Canada. And I got to tell you, I got a soup with a chicken head in it. It was, it. it was, it was, it was a chicken soup. It was a whole chicken in the soup, my friend. It was. Yeah. I can believe it. Oh, I remember the, uh, cool. what's that
1: movie, uh, the cr- Christmas story when they, the, you know, the family goes out to the Chinese meal for Christmas because, yeah. you know, the neighbor's dog ate their turkey or whatever and yeah and they bring him out a duck you know yeah. and he so says, well, it's, it's smiling at me and the guy okay. pulls out his cleaver <laughs> so, and yeah that's not okay, yeah. bad yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um I got another book here that i really liked i i I went through this one quite a lot this morning and it's called all the trouble in the world which he wrote in 1994 and again it's just a hodgepodge of topics uh mostly economic around the world like just pull out a random quote for you some kind of central planning seems to be the object of most environmental activists but why is why is a politburo expected to work better for plants and animals than it did for russians (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. He's also got one Ed, that we that I know Russ Roberts would love. This he says, "The first law of social science: um, the more precise the figure, the more general the lie." <laughs> very true (laughs) and 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 then he's talking about you know what uh deirdre calls the um great enrichment but he says the countries that are most industrialized and hence one would think most polluted have the best morbidity mortality and income statistics national well-being might almost be said to be a byproduct of pollution so he talks a lot about the environment in here and takes on some of al gore's Uh, claims and earth in the balance and some other things, but it's just a really, really uh, (laughs) just, just, just a really well done thing. And just, I love this. And worrying is less work than doing something to fix the worry. This is especially true if we're careful to pick the biggest possible problems to worry about. Everybody wants to save the earth. Nobody wants to help mom do the dishes.
2: Yeah, very very Jordan Peterson, right? Yeah, Clean your yeah, room. Good, good, Clean good, your made room. Make your bed. Made your bed. Yeah. Clean your room. Yeah. So this, so this is the quote I had on the environment. The, the, the collegiate idealists who fill the rank of the environmental movement seem willing to do absolutely anything to save the biosphere except take science courses and learn something about it.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is, to, to some degree, on point. Although I will, I will, will suggest that some some folks have have done a better job at that over the, the, the course of time. But Ron, we are up against another break already, and I want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage Of course, our show is sponsored by File. Uh, File gives you the ability to submit and uh, and spend on the go in bulk or either through File's mobile app or everyday apps like the G Suite, Outlook, and Slack. Check them out at filehq.com. We enjoy their sponsorship and take a look at them. But right now, a word from our other sponsors.
4: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on
4: TuneIn.
0: Plus bonus content Go to patreon.com Slash TSOE Subscribe now and be free You're worth it
2: Ron, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome. It really is. It allows
1: complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses.
2: I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use
1: a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense
2: reports. Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com.
4: We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: And we are back with our P.J. O'Rourke retrospective memorable mentors for with P.J. O'Rourke again. Uh, and, and, Ron, I, I plugged this earlier, but I, I really want to plug once again P.J. O'Rourke's book, on the wealth of nations of course the adam smith book is called the wealth of nations and first of all is this a funny introduction on why he added on to it he says this is like a real easy thing i just throw on into it on a famous book book and and walk my way through it uh, in a humorous way but he really does break it down and make it understandable uh, to to the point where you get a real good sense for the book wealth of nations by reading this humorous humorous book um so here's here's a little quick take on this and i just really love this line he he said uh, and we were by no means finished with cheating out the nobility we did the worst thing that can be done to fools we gave them what they wanted <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's just stuff like that in the in the middle of reading the the, his his stuff about the uh, his understanding of the economy and what he learned from the wealth of nations that just just makes it eminently readable it's it's a a terrific little book it is and you know uh, russ roberts
1: wrote a book on adam smith that does a really good job he got into the wealth of nations his first book the theory of moral sentiments but you know what so did P.J. P.J. talked about his friends, David Hume, all the other people that influenced mm-hmm. Smith. He called out where Smith got things wrong. Um, you know, it was just it, it, it was a true piece of scholarship. And I think this is the point that like the guys on the GLOP podcast were making about he, he had he, his books were serious political philosophy, like what Jonah writes,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but with incredible humor interspersed in them. You know, which which did make them—they're a treat to read. They really are, because I couldn't tell you how many times I laugh. I was laughing this morning at various lines. I just give you another one. This was from his book, which is—and this is a great book. Don't vote. It just encourages the bastards, <laughs> <laughs> which he published in 2010. There's some great quips in here. He says, children, he said, children, no child has ever written a letter to Santa Claus saying, please bring me and a bunch of kids I don't know, a pony, and we'll share. He's making the point that, you know, the the basic decision unit of a society is the individual, Mm -hmm. right? There's no collective. It's a very libertarian point. He goes on to say, even within a family, because, you know, people say, well, but a family's more collective. It's more the socialist model. He said, yeah, but even within a family, you have." Have to treat people as individuals yeah
2: the, the, the that notion is 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 challenging because and this this is hayek right the the notion of bringing the microcosm to the macrocosm right. is is a problem and vice versa you I swear, you yep. Yeah. You know, so, I, and I, look, I tend had a tendency to do this, and you'll still see posts on this. And I think that PJ took this apart um, in different places as well. You know, the the thing that you'll say, well, if the federal budget were a family, this this is this is what oh, right. we'd be spending. Like, you can't you can't, you can't do, do that. Do that. Yeah, it makes absolutely yeah. no sense.
1: You, you and you I know. can't print money. We can, you know, yeah. we can't conjure money. Um, and and it, 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 there was a line somebody said about him that he said humor was more truth than factual which I thought was pretty profound if you think about that. But here's an example he's talking about in this book. The, um, he, he talks about positive and negative rights, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, positive rights we're confusing politics with Halloween. <laughs> I mean, what a great way to, to explain it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they have to give me candy if I knock on their door and say, trick or treat. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. positive, it's a positive right. Positive um, right.
2: That that always, can. I, I still need to think about that when I hear about the difference between positive and negative rights. I still have to put myself in the zone. Okay, positive rights are the stuff on which we depend other people. Cause we, because positive is generally a positive uh, word.
1: A, yeah, you don't want to say <laughs> I have negative rights. Right, but, right, but, but, right. Yeah. The, um, the other thing, Ed, and this is great, you know, this kind of goes... And, and another guy I would compare him to would be Bastiat, because uh, oh, yeah. he, he was he was. But he's talking here about and this, and he doesn't mention Bastiat's quip about well, if exports are good and imports are bad, then we should sink the, the ships at sea. Mm-hmm. Here's how PJ says it. He says imports are good, exports are bad. Imports are an income, exports are an expense. Imports are Christmas morning exports are January's visa bill (laughs) well played it's, it's brilliant so he's talking about being a college student he says I went home at Christmas break he says my grandmother said Pat I'm worried about you are you becoming a Democrat Grandma, I said, Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon are both fascist pigs. Of course, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a communist. And he was. He could was Mal- describe himself as a Maoist. Um, and she says, Well, at least you're not a
2: Democrat. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, the- that's probably a true story, too, because I'm sure he got his wit partially from his parents and grandparents. So I I, I don't doubt that that was that's probably true. And then he writes this towards the end of
1: this book, Ed. He says, but I was not yet a conservative. I was a Republican and a libertarian. The mutual exclusivity of those two political positions was, I thought, one more proof of the self-negating nature of politics. And then he says... Um, I became a conservative at 1159 p.m. on December 4th, 1997. The way many people become conservative. My wife gave birth. (laughs) That's where he talks about his conservative streak. Uh, Certainly I think conservatarian Applies to him,
2: yeah. Well, I, well and, and this is a bit bit off topic with regard to, to PJ, but I would be would have been curious to see if, if this is something that he would have written about had had he survived the and and written and, and, and continued to write the last couple of years. The, the, these terms start have are, are almost meaningless now. What what is does what does it mean to be a conservative now? Like, what, I, I, I know the notion of fiscal conservative. What what does that even mean? That's like. <laughs> yeah i i know i know i you know and i
1: I, i'm not one of these guys that doesn't think labels are important but you know like uh we talk about a lot words change
3: Mm -hmm.
1: right they they, their use change their meanings change in the culture um it was hernando de soto and i can't remember i saw this last week when i was prepping for the show but he he had a great line somebody was complaining to him about i think it was the word liberal you know why'd we lose the word liberal is Folks mm-hmm. on the right. He said he said, hey, Don't die for a word. Mm-hmm. Don't die for a word. Right. He, You know, I think they were asking, why do you use capitalism when you're in other countries? Because it's, you know, it's got all these negative connotations.
2: Let me me finish up one thing uh, as we as we move on to the from the government. This is one of one of my favorites, too. When a government controls both the economic power of individuals and the coercive power of the state, this violates the fundamental rule of happy living. Never let the people with all the money and the people with all the guns be the same people. (laughs) (laughs)
1: there are so many lines like that i can't even (laughs) he he wrote a book and this was this was this was one of the most hyper-partisan things i think it was the american spectators enemies list and um I know they put this out during the clinton years i think it was and of course he he compiled it but he's got a lot of stinging lines in here here's one of them he says feminists who insist on ragging upon ragging patriarchy by retaining upon marriage their daddy's names which yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of interesting line Mm -hmm. he says if meat is murder does that mean eggs or rape in this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he says just to show you how partisan this was because this is an enemies list they were doing the whole Nixon you know rip off thing he says Hillary Rodham Clinton of course we loathe her who are we
2: to disagree with her own husband (laughs) 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 <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Well, but let, let's so let's talk about that that a little bit. I mean, his his work here with with uh, the, the the National Lampoon, um, which I, I just think there's an interesting story that kind of s- s- surrounds this. And this came out on the again, the Jonah Gober po- podcast. And, and that is why, why is it that National Lampoon has such the, such a great brand yet? No, it, 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 very few movies are released under National Lampoon. Yeah, at and least anymore, right? Any and, yeah. and, and and it turns out that there the reason for this is, is is that when when PJ, who was uh, I think one of the founders of National Lampoon, no, he 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 was hired in later. He was hired he, in later. He, he became
1: editor in okay. like '78 or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: Was, but he was part of the early days. But so I guess this goes back to the the, the founder. They they went to Harvard lampoon to get permission to use the word lampoon which they didn't have to do because you can't copyright a title right and and i I thought this is interesting that they went and did this anyway and the agreement that they came up with is that the harvard lampoon gets 50 percent of any of of the, the 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 income that is is made by national lampoon and it, so, the, while it's such, it has a, it's a it's a really really strong brand. National Lampoon's Vacation, National Lampoon's the, the right is, is that you, you can't release a, a movies under it because you you can't afford a flop.
1: Yeah, and Harvard uh, it, yeah. Harvard Lampoon's brand was nowhere near as prominent as National Lampoon once Lampoon got going. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't even think Harvard Lampoon exists anymore.
2: No, it does probably on the basis of the money they're getting from National
1: Lampoon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not I'm not sure. I thought somebody said it was extinct. I thought I read that. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, I could be wrong. Um he <laughs> In one of the tributes, somebody said, uh, P.J. wrote, the Chrysler chief executive, Lee Iacocca, because P.J., that was another thing about him. He was a car guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wrote for car and driver. They, They wrote up a nice tribute about him. I guess Ferrari had contacted car and driver and said, Hey, we've got a Ferrari in New York. We got to get out to a movie set in Los Angeles. You, you, you want to uh, send a reporter to make the trip? And they sent PJ, probably a big mistake. But <laughs> and, and anyway, he's, he's got a book about, you know, driving like crazy. It's called, and it's just great. It's a bunch of car stories, but he wrote this. He said, Chrysler chief executive Lee Iacocca was a hero for our time. A conceited big mouth, glad handing huckster who talked the gun government into loaning his company piles of money and iacocca an autobiography is literature for our time that is it stinks (laughs) (laughs) love it love it
2: Uh, that was actually i I actually remember reading iacocca the 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 book yeah yeah, uh, no, it was awful. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't <laughs> stand him. I'm still pissed told, off. Told the mu- first... told, told Mustang story in there though, so that's that. that there's some. I, yes, I got that out of there for sure. For sure. So, um, so that's that's a plus. All right. Well, we're uh, we're uh, we're on our on our break. By the way, I did did check around the the Harvard Lampoon is still around. So just so uh, okay. we're, we're clear on it. Yep, yep. We're clear on that. But we're up against our last break. Want to remind you that you can rate our podcast by going to ratethispodcast dot com slash tsoe. And guess what? You can do there, folks. Rate this podcast. So we really appreciate if you would go out and do that. Uh, also, want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe. Follow us on Twitter at ask at asktsoe. But now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. Ron, well, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome.
1: It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating.
2: Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there.
1: And yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports.
2: Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's fyleh com.
0: Me plug Ronan Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the diamond water paradox. Go to Patreon.com/tsoe and subscribe today, please. For the love of God, make it stop. <laughs> Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh Oh My Fraud.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about P.J. work and Ed again from this book, Age and Guile Beat Youth Innocence in a Bad Haircut. He's talking about Bill Clinton. He says Bill Bill Clinton hates. He hates them and fears them, especially the Cubans. Bill knows the Cubans are crazy. Only crazy people would flee from a country with free medical care, guaranteed employment for life and first rate gun control. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's talking about different sports he's talking about fly fishing and we know some folks who fly fish he says furthermore it's conducted in the middle of, of the backfly season cast and swat cast and swat fly fishing may be a sport invented by insects with fly fishermen as bait <laughs> <laughs> and and what does the truly sophisticated dry fly artist do when he finally bags a fish he lets the full thing go and eats bologna sandwiches instead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Well, I just wanted to share this one anecdote, Ron, from from uh, David Bose's tribute of, of PJ work that was written on, on the 15th of February. I just thought that this was a, a, a real good insight. He said, a few years ago, I had the idea to give a young colleague for Christmas a postgraduate course in political science and economics, PJ's books, Parliament of Whores and Eat the Rich. So I went to my local Barnes and Noble to search for them. They weren't in current affairs, not in economics, no separate section called politics. So I decided to try Borders, then the largest bookstore around. But I, but first, uh, and yet to avoid more driving around, I went online to see if my Borders had them in stock. Sure enough, they did. Checking to see where I, on the store I would find them, I discovered that they would be under a shelf called humorous writing. Oh, right, I thought. They're not books on economics or current affairs. They're humor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like... Uh, like Jonah Goldberg said, he, he kind of looked at PJ's career as, as, as kind of a warning that because he didn't think he had the the humor writing talent of PJ. and But if you get categorized that way, mm-hmm. you know, then people are every book, everything you read, uh, they're going to expect to be laughing. And if they don't laugh, it's they're going to consider it not good. Yeah. You know, because PJ yeah. did write some things, I think Jonah talked about this, that that weren't that were serious. They had, mm-hmm. there were no quips, there were no jokes, and and they didn't do very well. Probably would be my guess because you pick up PJ to laugh.
2: Well, I think we talked about this uh, with regard to uh, uh, some other things on our bonus episode, or maybe it was just in a private conversation. But you know, I think there's a, there, there's in in a way, guys like PJ get get dismissed under this. Well, he's just he's just being funny. It's it's right. and it's and it's easy to be like it's easy to be funny all the time. It's like <laughs> Like, what is wrong with? Well, he, you know, he was just writing. He wasn't writing for re- real, uh, for real academics because he was funny. Like, right. well, what's wrong? What are you? What are you kidding me? It's, yeah. it's much, much harder to write an academic work like on Wealth of Nations than it is to to do something that's that has humor than it is to just write an academic paper on it.
1: Right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, just just think about it. How many stand-up comedians are there, and mm-hmm. how many? comedic writers are there mm-hmm. compare the two it's a handful of comedic writers literally mm-hmm. i mean well i mean living or or i would say that you read regularly i mean name 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 the comedic writers that you read on a regular basis
2: mm-hmm. dave barry
1: <laughs> that's the one that comes up pj, yeah, of PJ. Course, came up uh, I would add Florence King, but nobody knows her mm-hmm. unless you're just a you know a wacko National Review fan. Irma Baumback, uh, remember Irma Baumback? Yeah, Florence King put in fact Irma Baumback plagiarized from Florence King and <laughs> Florence King. Oh really? A, oh, was, Florence King was amazing probably funnier than pj i think pj really admired florence king most most of the humor writers do mm-hmm. They know of her she she's brilliant um but 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 the point is yeah sit it's here a small yeah yeah we can sit here and name hundreds of authors that we admire but how many humor you, i mean you know mark twain obviously if you go obviously, back to history yep. sure pj hl making uh, blah 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 uh, yep. uh, yeah yeah so uh, he's talking about cars in his book, Driving Like Crazy. He says our new car. He's talking about you know when he, after he had kids, our new car had to be big because although babies themselves are surprisingly small, their car seats, strollers, collapsible cribs, etc., <laughs> are all built to accommodate late career Marlon Brando. <laughs> Uh, And then he says this, he says, but pity the poor American car when Congress and the White House get through with it, a lightweight vehicle with a small carbon footprint using alternative energy and renewable resources to operate in a sustainable way. When I was a kid, we called it a Schwinn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh i love my schwinn bicycle ron <laughs> i did too with the banana seat oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. gotta have the banana seat you know so another
1: thing ed that somebody and this was a probably the best tribute write-up came from uh-huh. i thought matt labash I, and i don't even know who matt labash is um journalist but he said he said good writers make you want to read but great writers make you want to write and that's what he said about PJ. I've never heard that. That's a great. I, that's a great expression. That's a great thought. It's mm-hmm. really true.
2: That's a fascinating expression. Yeah, like that yeah, a lot.
1: I do too. Yeah. I really like that.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Well what else you got did you did you pick up on anything else uh, you know these tributes just you talked about it. even Acton gave him a tribute how he emceed one of their events their
2: events yeah, yeah he closed no, he's, the bar. yeah <laughs> of know? course he would always close the bar but <laughs> I, I think he just it just had a, a great way of, of of turning a phrase and even stuff that you would normally think of oh I, yeah i understand that but for, for example his your money does not cause my poverty yes. refuses to believe this at the bottom is it the bottom of most bad economic thinking and that is just terrific line yes funny but but also incredibly insightful and something that we've repeated over and over on 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 this is and then this is the inverse of the israel test right the 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 good fortune of others is also one's own your your wealth doesn't cause my poverty and far too many people don't don't believe that and his line at about you know if, it,
1: if the economy is not a pizza that is if i eat more you have to you're stuck eating the box mm-hmm. it, it you know like halloween being a positive right i mean th- that that that's a real creative brain you know that, well, that is making those connections
2: it's funny you should bring this up there was there was a a a, a, a meme that was posted by one of my friends who's a a, a teacher and she says this was this happened to be from from a a, a a student of hers that her, the, the the her mother Showed her from a previous the previous school she was in. She was a private school teacher, and it was a question that was on the math test that said it was something like if if somebody eats three fifths of the pizza and somebody eats four sixths of the pizza, how is it that someone eating the the um f- the four sixths of the pizza could could uh, could be eating eating more? And the kid responded, "Well, because the the one pizza is bigger." And the and the and the teacher says, "No, that's not correct." Four fifths is always greater than than two thirds. It's like not if the pie's bigger <laughs> Not if the And, and I don't think that I think that's what people get stuck on is that the the pie is not a finite size. The pie grows. Right,
1: right. He, he's he got a thing in here about, um, he's talking about the great enrichment, just the, the explosion of wealth. And mm-hmm. he says, you know, he, he says, the modern economy works and we know how to make it better. Free markets are extremely successful. What we have to do is learn to live or, or learn to love wealth creation. Mm-hmm. The only known antidote to poverty. So anyway wow so much more to say on him but um i'd recommend any of his books really
3: oh yeah Um
2: <laughs> so yeah.
1: that's our tribute to PJ. Lost him way too soon, but boy, what a great talent. Ed, what do we have coming up next week?
2: Next week, Ron, we are going to have back with us for the, I believe fifth time this a record setting wow, fifth time on the soul of enterprise, our friend and Verisage colleague, Reginald Thomas Lee, who's going to talk about his new book, project profitability.
1: Awesome. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post full show notes of our discussion today. And also, you can contact me or Ed at ask, T-S-O-E, at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.